it doesn't matter. But how you do the one thing is how you do everything. And it's really just being consistent, showing up, being consistent. How you talk to one person is how you should talk to the other. Working women, how many things are you expected to do on a daily basis? Between walking those 10,000 steps, hydrating, making plant-based meals for our family, Pinterest-worthy lunches for our kids, spectacular date nights for our husband, and let's not forget, climbing that corporate ladder, we're asked to do these things each and every day. So much so that often it feels like we are trying to balance on the high wire of life. So welcome to the High Wire Woman podcast, hosted by me, Rosanna Brary. I'm an immigration lawyer, a mother to a teenage son, a wife, and an entrepreneur who truly believes that working women can have it all. Join me as I interview other high-achieving women, and together, let's learn about the skills and the fortitude that we need to create the happy, prosperous, and balanced life we so richly deserve. Hello, Highwire Woman. Here we are, Rosanna Berardi, with our last Highwire Woman episode of 2021. Can you believe that? When I look in the rearview mirror, I think of all the cool people that I've interviewed this year and things I learned from them and all the amazing women I've met. And I'm also looking forward to what we have in store for 2022. So we've got some fun things coming up. We're going to tweak the podcast a little bit. We're really going to focus on problem solving for women. That's really going to be our focus for 2022. But in the meantime, it's the end of the year. I was getting nostalgic at this time of the year. And I look back at what worked, what didn't. Am I happy? What's going on? And you know, I guess what I want to leave you with at the end of the year as a high wire woman balancing and trying to do it all is the words that I live by. And there's a couple of them. There's a couple of phrases that point my compass and really impact every decision that I make and the choices I've made along the lines and the things I've done. So I'm going to share with you some of my favorite sayings, the ones that are my compass for life. The first one is courtesy of my dad. Many of you who listen know me. I'm the daughter of an immigrant. My dad immigrated from Italy to Canada in 1954. He was orphaned at age 14. His mom died when he was three years old in childbirth. Not only did he lose his mother, but the baby that she was in labor with also passed away. And then his father died, they think, of a brain aneurysm. I mean, this was in the 1930s or early 40s. He died while working on the farm. So my dad was orphaned at an early age. And one of his sisters lived in Canada. He got on a boat and had a small suitcase, didn't know where he was going, didn't know the language. Just think about that. My son, Salvatore, is 15. He can barely tie his shoes. I could not imagine him getting on a boat and going to another country where he didn't know hardly anyone, more importantly, the language. So anyway, fast forward, my dad. My dad's a self-made man. He lived in Canada for a bunch of years. He worked in a hotel. He delivered bread. He mopped floors. And then he decided to learn a trade. So he decided to become a hairdresser. And he did that for almost 50 years. He and my mom, my mom was born in the United States. She's second generation Italian. She had a 10th grade education. After 10th grade, she dropped out to work, which was very common in those days and was a hairdresser for a while with my dad. But the two of them showed me that truly the harder you work, 
the luckier you get. And people say to me all the time, you're so lucky, you have a law firm and you go on vacation and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, I am lucky. I'm lucky because I was born in the United States of America and I'm lucky because I'm healthy. However, we make our own luck to a certain degree. And the harder you work, the luckier you do get. So let me tell you my story. And you you know, people always look at the outside and they never understand the grit and the determination it takes to get to places. And, you know, my parents worked like animals. My dad was a hairdresser. He knew he was smart enough, despite having no formal education. He knew that being a hairdresser would never be able to provide for my brother and I to go to school. And his dream was to put us through college, 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 didn't matter for what. He just knew that education was our way out. My mom also worked very, very hard, not only as a hairdresser with my dad, she decided she didn't want to do that any longer. And she got a job as a cleaner at a nursing home. And her job was to clean toilets and mop floors. And if you listen to this podcast, you've heard this before. But they taught me that the harder you work, the luckier you get. My dad, in addition to working, also decided to invest in real estate and had about 12 apartments that he managed in addition to his full-time job, pulling out rugs, painting, tenants moving in, tenants moving out, all that good stuff. So anyway, I have two parents that are working really, really hard. We didn't do much. We always had a nice house and food on the plate. We didn't have cable. We didn't have Atari video games. We never went on vacation. So here I am, a mediocre student at best at Lancaster High School. Eh, my average was probably in the 80s. I didn't know what I was doing. I was boy crazy. Ugh, what a waste of time. But I applied to college. I went to Canisius College. And when I looked at the tuition bill and I saw how much it cost, I was like, holy crap, this is going to cost my parents a fortune. And it really scared me into being focused. So I got to Canisius, didn't really know how to study, but I learned. I was really serious. I did really well in college compared to high school solely because I did not want to waste my parents' money because I saw how hard they worked. I learned how to study. I worked two jobs all through college. I worked as a work study at Canisius College in their marketing department and then their English department. I worked at Wegmans. I loved working at Wegmans. I was a pharmacy technician. So much fun. Wegmans is still my favorite place. And I always joke that when I retire, I will go back there. And then also during college is when I started working in immigration. I got hired by the Peace Bridge, the Immigration and Naturalization Service as a student when I was a junior in college. So I was studying hard, working two jobs. You know, I was just grinding it out, grinding it out. Not really sure where I was going with that, but I ultimately decided to go to law school. And, you know, I worked hard in law school. It was tough. My first semester, whew, brutal. I was never on law review. I was never in top 10 of my class. I did okay. I worked as hard as I could, but that's as far as I could go. But you know what? It didn't matter. At that time, I was working part-time for the government for the immigration service, working at the border and in their administrative office. And I applied for a position to work in their New York City office. And since I was already in the agency, I got hired. So my second year of law school, I already had a full-time job waiting for me in New York City when I graduated. Pretty cool stuff. Worked all through law school, studied as hard as I could, spent a year in New York City. That is a whole topic for another podcast. Good times, tough place to work when you come from a small market like Buffalo. But lo and behold, wow, I came home after a year and wow, the big firms that wouldn't give me the time of day 
because I wasn't law reviewer top 10, were now like, ooh, you work for the federal government. You must be smart. Come and work for us. So I joined the largest firm in Buffalo, New York as an immigration lawyer, which is hilarious because people work in law school like dogs and they're super competitive and they steal each other's study notes. and They do all this crazy stuff to land a job at one of these big firms. And here I was, I took a different route, but I worked really hard to get in with the immigration service. I didn't have to work two jobs in college, but I did. That landed me that job. Then I had that job in law school, which then landed me the job post-law school to get into not only the immigration services legal offices in New York City, where I was in court every day, but then also at the biggest law firm in Buffalo, New York. And, you know, I was at that firm for six years. Again, another topic for another podcast. Didn't love it. I'm not a player, but I learned tons of stuff and I worked really hard. And then in 2005, I was like, eh, not for me. I don't want to play the game anymore. I'm just going to work hard and I'm going to start my own firm. And everybody in the universe, including my poor husband, who I had just married, thought I was nuts. No one leaves a big firm to go on their own. But my dad was like, the harder you work, the luckier you get. You got this. I came from another country knowing no language, not knowing the English language, and ran a successful business. You got this. You have a law degree. You can figure it out. And I did. 16 years ago, my firm looked really different. It was just me. I didn't have a secretary. I had one client. I hustled. I worked my tail off while having a newborn baby in tow, which I don't recommend, but that was Not that I don't recommend having a baby. Very hard to start a business and have a baby at the same time, but people do. And I did. And you know, the first couple of years, I was only working 20, 30 hours a week because that's all I could do with Salvatore. He was a little baby and I wanted to be a mom, but I just hustled and I was consistent. And I was consistent with the relationships that I built with people. It was how I treated people that was my differentiator. Yeah, I was a good lawyer, but I wasn't Ivy League. I wasn't in the top 10 of my law school class, but I worked harder than most people and I grinded it out and I educated myself on how to run this business. People say to me all the time, oh my God, how did you get in the New York Times? Or wow, you wrote an article for entrepreneur. Wow. Let me just tell you, that doesn't just happen. That happens as a result of a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of sleepless nights, you know, a lot of roller coaster riding of owning a law firm, having employees. I have about 20 employees now. Not easy, but, 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 but. How did I get here? The harder I worked, the luckier I got. Don't let everyone say to you, turn off that noise like, oh, it's too hard. No, it's not. Work harder. And I'm super empathetic person. I feel things strongly. I'm very sympathetic. I'm empathetic. But the one area in my life that I am not sympathetic Regard is regarding hard work. I just can't tolerate when people are like, I'm so busy. I can't get all my work done. Or, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm like, okay, take out your work, prioritize, make a list, get stuff done. And if you're so busy, then stop scrolling on social media and work longer hours. And it doesn't make me popular sometimes, even in my own family. My poor son is taking honors classes this year. He's always complaining about homework. I'm like, This is hard. If it was easy, everybody would do this. Grind it out, focus, take breaks, do what you got to do. And it's tough. I've run this business for 16 years. I work all the time. Yeah, non-traditionally. And yeah, I vacation a lot, but I really haven't been off in 16 years. So words to live by, one that I love, 
One that is a no excuse phrase is the harder you work, the luckier you get. Let that sink in, write it down. And remember when it's hard, grind it out. There is no substitute for hard work. (sighs) The other softer side of the coin. My other favorite phrase that I live by, and this is right from my mom, is to do good and forget about it. My mom, man, was she a gem. She just always saw the best in people. And that's hard. I used to tell her all the time, you should be a criminal defense lawyer because she could never be mad at anybody. It was like this really special gift that she had. And sometimes it was annoying. And people took advantage of her because of it. She couldn't hold a grudge. It wasn't in her heart to do that. And she taught me a lot about doing good and then just forgetting about it. And what does that mean? It means doing small things, small acts, small acts of kindness, small things to make someone's day. You've heard this before on the podcast. When I used to study college and law school, she would just bring me like a brownie or a cookie and just like, hey, you got this. I know you're working hard. It's the little things in life. I love to send cards to people, a handwritten card. Holy cow, you want to distinguish yourself? Write something by hand. Put it in an envelope, lick the envelope, which is disgusting, by the way. Throw a stamp on it, put it in the mail. Nobody does that. No one. You know, write a quick handwritten note. I love surprising people with, hey, just thinking of you, or hey, hope everything is going well, or hey, here's a cup of coffee on me. I do it with friends, family, clients. I do it and I forget about it. I don't look for anything in return. I just want that person to know that I'm thinking about them. And, you know, same thing. We all walk around with these phones in our hands. Fire off a quick text to somebody. It takes no time. It takes five seconds to send, hey, I'm thinking of you by text. One of my friends, dear friend of mine, her husband was very ill suddenly and and was very sick for a while and it didn't look good. And thankfully he came out of it and is doing great now. But, you know, I was with her during that whole journey and her son goes to the same school as Salvatore and they had a sophomore class mass. And my friend and her family, including her husband, were selected to bring up the gifts to the altar. And I turned and looked and I saw her and her husband and the two kids. And the husband is fully recovered miraculously. And and walking up the aisle of the gym, which was the makeshift church for this mass, carrying up the gifts. And I mean, it wasn't lost on me that a few weeks ago, this guy didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And we were all praying so hard. and, And what a gift to see him recover and to be able to take the gifts up to the altar. And the next day, I just sent her a text saying, you know, I wasn't lost on me, the magnitude and the power of that moment. And I am thrilled, thrilled that I prayed and I got to witness his recovery and him smiling at something as silly as a high school mass for our kids. That text, two seconds, right? I think I even voice text it, which is even faster. And she responded and said, you know, no one does this. Like, thank you for sharing that with me. It's so meaningful. It's these little things. You just do them. You don't do them to get recognition. You don't do them to get accolades, but just doing good really makes the world a better place. Just forget about it. Just do what's good. It's really funny. When you walk into any Wegmans grocery store, there's a picture of Bob Wegman. And, you know, there's this phrase, and and I don't have it quoted verbatim, but it's something like, always think of others. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, Bob Wegman. He got it, man. He just did good, forgot about it, thought of others, put others ahead. And you know what? Cop, stop, just stop keeping score of, well, I sent him a card and he didn't thank me. 
or I sent him a text and he didn't respond or no, just do it and forget about it. Now, look, if you know me, you may have heard me talk about my nieces and nephews. I have six of them. I adore them. They were my first kids. When my nephew, Anthony, was born in April of 1997, first grandchild in two Italian families, second coming of Christ. Today, he's almost 25. I adore him. I adore his brother and sister. I also adore my other two nephews and niece. There's six of them. But you guys, they're in their late teens, early 20s. They're busy. They don't have time for me. I'm their aunt. Whatever. Who wants to talk to me? Who cares? It's a very much one-sided relationship. I always do stuff for them. I'm sending them gift cards. I'm texting them. I'm calling them. The security coach in my office is one of my nephew's birthdays. They are an active part of my life. Do I get a lot in return? No, they're kids, but I don't care. I'm doing good and forgetting about it. I love them. They fill my cup. They make me super happy. And when I do see them or talk to them, I enjoy them. I really, truly do. And you know what? So what if they're not doing things in return? So what if they're not buying me birthday gifts? I don't care. I just want them in our lives. So just do something good and forget about it. Put the scorecard away. You know, buy somebody a cup of coffee, hold the door open, fire off a handwritten note or a voice text. It's never been easier, people, to communicate. It's those little things that make life so unbelievably precious and wonderful. So we've got the harder you work, the luckier you get and do good and forget about it. And then finally, my favorite words to live by are, you know, this one's kind of new, but it's how you do one thing is how you do everything. And, you know, some things in life, I think I'm really good at. I think I'm a good mom. I think I'm a decent mom. I know I think I'm a good mom. I think I'm good at running a business, but I'm not a great cook. I'm not really great at exercising. I don't like to run. I don't like to bake, but you know what? It doesn't matter. But how you do the one thing is how you do everything. And it's really just being consistent, showing up, being consistent. How you talk to one person is how you should talk to the other. I don't know about you, but when I see somebody yell at a waitress or a cashier at a busy restaurant or at a store, I want to kill that person. How you talk to the cashier is how you should talk to your boss or your child or your loved one. How you talk to one person is how you should talk to everybody. And that is super important to me. And it's something I strive doing each and every day because, you know, we're, we're busy. That's all we talk. We're so busy. We can't think straight. And sometimes, I don't know, it's been a long time since I've been at church, but one of the ironies of church that always cracked me up is people are at church, kumbaya, holding hands. Everything's great. They leave church. They get into their parking lot and they will cut you off. They will not let you in. They will not let you out. They will not let you do anything. It is like, you know, Formula One racing in the church parking lot. Nobody will move out of the way. Nobody will let you go. And I'm like, come on, people. You were just singing kumbaya, praying. How you do one thing is how you do everything. If you're going to be that person in church, then be that person in the bloody parking lot. So Highway Woman, 2021 was a great year. I love what I do. I love being a part of this podcast. Thank you for letting me into your lives and supporting me and cheering me on. This truly is my passion and I absolutely love doing these podcasts and hope you like them and continue to like them. So 2021, don't look back. I mean, look back for a few minutes and look at all the good stuff we did. You're here. You're on that high wire. You're amazing. There are a lot of people in this world that love you. 
remember, life really isn't that hard. We make it a lot harder. But if you work hard and you do good and you forget about it and you're consistent with everything you do in life, I guarantee that walk on your high wire will be simple and easy. High wire women, happy holidays. Happy 2022. Can't wait to kick off another year. I'm going to be 50 next month. Woo! Watch out. Highway Woman is going to look different. We're going to have some really fun stuff. And give yourself some grace. This is a tough time of the year. Give yourself some grace. Applaud yourself for what you do each and every day. It is not easy to live in this modern world. My goal is to help you make it better, make you laugh once in a while, give you some cool ideas, and really give yourself some grace. I'm proud of you for listening. And I hope that you continue to stay on the high wire. Until next year, it's Rosanna Berardi from High Wire Woman. Thank you for listening to the High Wire Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or others, I hope you'll share it with a friend so together we can all stay on that high wire of life. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite listening platform so you never miss an episode and follow us on social media at High Wire Woman for more information. Until next time, I'm Rosanna Berardi. Be sure to stay on that high wire of life.